Hello, I'm Daryl Root, and this is Camp Ridgers, the Dakota Rustler Show, rustling up recent news and providing independent commentary. Today's topics include school districts sue social media outlets, proposed Biden tariffs will hit poor people the worst, cows, whales, and more. Stay tuned. If you're a meat eater, you will love Camp Ridger seasonings. Four blends, all salt-free, are available for red meats, white meats, seafood, and more. Even vegetables can be made to taste better. Visit Camp Ridger on Facebook and at CampRidger.com for more information and to order your supplies. Gift cards are also available. Camp Ridger, enhance the flavor, don't bury it. With that said, let's saddle up and go for the ride. Number one from Reason Magazine. Lawyers seek to cash in on tech panic by encouraging school districts to sue. Well, what else is new? Just lawyers looking to get rich on the next new snake oil. The number of school districts suing social media companies for allegedly harming children has ticked up to nearly 200. Targets include the parent companies of Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, and YouTube. The suits have been consolidated in the U.S. District Court in Oakland, California. Why is it always liberal California doing something stupid? The lawsuits come as part of a growing movement to child-proof the internet. Like, that's even possible. Hey, parents, this goes back to last week's podcast. Raise your own damn kids. Take away the tech if you need to. In Congress and in states across the country, lawmakers are proposing measures that make websites verify visitor ages, block minors from having accounts, and more. This is just an idiotic idea. As an adult, I don't want to have to prove my own age on every freaking website. And that's exactly what everyone will have to do if they take their privacy to heart by having their browser set to eliminate history and cookies whenever it shuts down, which is what I do. You'll have to prove your age every time. This is just another government tracking scheme. School districts say teachers and administrators waste valuable time responding to cyberbullying, adding new training and school policies around social media use, and counseling youths whose addiction to online apps is leading to anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts. Here's an idea. No phones in the classroom, people. Better yet, no phones on school grounds. They are not necessary. Why do adults act so stupid as not to be able to control adolescents? We are such a weak-minded, candy-ass society today. So let's look at the facts and the science behind it. Evidence that social media causes widespread mental health issues in minors is scarce. Bullying among teens is an issue with or without social media. You don't need social media to bully somebody. And like it or not, responding to behavior, mental health, and interpersonal issues among students is simply a part of running an educational institution. 
All these schools are doing is looking for a financial payout. Like everything else, it's all about the money. They don't give a rat's ass about your kids, just their paychecks. And it's not just the school districts looking to rake in the almighty dollar, it's the scumbag lawyers too. One of these scumbag lawyers is William Shinoff, a lawyer from California's France Law Group who has personally presented to more than 100 school board meetings with his firm having 500-plus school districts signed up to sue. His firm and others potentially sign agreements giving the lawyers 25% of any recovery. Yes, lawyer greed is still alive and well, and once again, be a parent, people. It's that simple. Number two, also from Reason. The Biden administration, the Commerce Department, and the International Trade Commission are considering a petition that would impose tariffs of up to 300% on tin plate steel, a key component in tin cans, like those commonly used to pack food products including tuna, soup, baked beans, and more. To make matters worse, they want to do so to eight different countries as a blatantly protectionist maneuver aimed at benefiting a single American company, the Ohio-based Cleveland Cliffs Incorporated, which required or which requested the tariffs at the expense of consumers nationwide. These proposed tariffs will raise prices for low-income consumers. How? Think of all the food that comes in tin cans, including pet foods, which are bought one after another by low-income citizens, which includes single mothers and the elderly. Earlier this month, a new report found that U.S. importers are shouldering 93% of the added costs from Donald Trump's tariffs. Some of you may know that I actually support tariffs when used wisely, such as for national security and overall economic security. Heck, our country was once funded on tariffs, but this is not one of those wise situations. This is not food security, it's work security for a single company. This is a blatant foul. The Consumer Brands Association, which represents more than 2,000 companies, estimates that the proposed 300% import tax would add about 58 cents. Think of this, 58 cents to the cost of an average canned food product. Multiply that by how many cans you buy. Well, do your own math. It'll be different for all of you. David Chavern, president and CEO of the CBA, said that the administration would effectively be choosing to prop up one company at the expense of an entire domestic industry and the consumers that rely on those essential products. The president's so-called work-centric trade policy is aimed at protecting union jobs. There you go. That's what this is all about. But often ignores the economic consequences that hike prices for those same workers when they clock out. Higher prices at the grocery store will not make life easier for the blue-collar workers that Biden says he wants to help. 
Number three, and my last one from Reason. In many states, Americans can now ditch their physical wallet and verify their identity simply by tapping their device on a scanner. If you listen to me regularly, you know what I think of this. Don't do it. Just as digital wallets from Apple and Google have made commerce more convenient, digital ID systems could potentially make government interactions faster and more efficient. But they also raise the ominous specter of government surveillance. Can we have the efficiency of digital ID without letting government track our every move? In theory, yes. In reality, never going to happen. Take Colorado. Since 2019, Coloradans have been able to use a digital ID as a legal form of personal identification throughout the state. Coloradans can simply show their digital ID to verify their identity in much the same way as one would show their driver's license to a bartender to prove one is over 21. So why would anyone want another ID that does basically the same thing? Here's your answer. Many services, both public and private, are increasingly turning to electronic verification. Remember the aforementioned website verification. But here's the problem. It requires pinging a government server, which creates a data record outlining who, what, when, and where, and over time, creates a government-controlled ledger of information about its citizens. Remember... You have nothing to hide until you do. This is Chinese-style spying, and it will be used against you one day. The privacy policy of the Colorado Digital ID, which does this on a state level, details that the government shares information with third-party service providers, and much more concerning with law enforcement and other government agencies upon request. And I use the word request lightly. In order to work, citizens must trust the government to protect their data from crooked entities and from the state itself. And if you think you can trust the state, you apparently just crawled out from under a 19th century rock. Digital IDs could streamline and modernize archaic procedures by introducing secure, easily verifiable credentials that work seamlessly behind and across physical and digital lives. Yeah, right. They can reduce costs by automating many processes that would otherwise require physical interactions. How do we get the good and not the bad? In my opinion, we don't. Governments, by their very nature, resist privacy and are more than willing to exploit new technologies to surveil its citizens. As more states and localities choose to implement digital ID systems, it's up to citizens to demand that those systems be built in ways to protect their civil liberties. Here's a better idea. Forget the whole damn concept. Well, that, it's time for a break, but don't go away. When I come back, more horse sense. For all things Dakota Rustler related, please visit dakotarustler.org. 
The website contains links to media sites, a merchandise store, and a button to donate to the show. Your support helps to pay for expenses of production, as well as research time. Feedback is appreciated, and comments or topic ideas can be sent to the email address listed on the website. Sponsorships are also available if you have a business to promote. Now, back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Dakota Rustler Show. Before I continue, I just want to do my usual shout-outs to Dan Heim and to Vinny Camilleri, who provide the music for this show, and Arabelle Kimmick, who does the voiceovers. Don't forget, you can subscribe and or like on my Facebook page, Spotify, iHeart, and other areas where this podcast is broadcast. All right, let's continue. New story number four from the Associated Press. More than 100,000 people in the U.S. have become allergic to red meat since 2010 because of a weird syndrome triggered, triggered by tick bites. Health officials believe many more may have the problem without knowing it. And my first thought is, because I'm a cynical person, this is just more environmental, green, wacko, anti-methane, anti-cow propaganda. A second report estimated as many four, as 450,000 Americans may have developed the allergy. That would make it the 10th most common food allergy in the U.S., according to a University of North Carolina researcher and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. You know, that same group that came to jab police a few years ago. Health officials are not aware of any confirmed deaths. The reaction, called alpha-gal syndrome, occurs when an infected person eats beef, pork, venison, or other meat from mammals, or ingests milk, gelatin, or other mammal products. It is not caused by a germ, but by a sugar that is naturally found in meat from mammals, and in tick spit. When the sugar enters the body through the skin, it triggers an immune response and can lead to severe allergic reaction. In about 20% of the cases, the allergy may disappear. A survey of doctors found nearly half had never heard of alpha-gal syndrome, and only 5% said they felt very confident they could diagnose this. People can experience systems such as, listen up, Hives, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, severe stomach pain, difficulty breathing, dizziness and swelling of the lips, throat, tongue, or eyelids. And reactions may not occur until hours after exposure. It sounds like a drug commercial, doesn't it? One 78-year-old woman started experiencing itchy hives on her back, torso, and thighs in the middle of the night. She was never a big meat eater, but one day she had a hamburger and then a big fatty steak the following evening. Six hours after dinner, she woke up nauseated, then suffered terrible spells of vomiting, diarrhea, and dizziness. She passed out three times. Eventually, she was diagnosed with alpha-gal syndrome and was told to avoid ticks and stop eating red meat and dairy products. There have been no allergic reactions since. And, I failed to mention earlier, this was the Lone Star Tick, which actually has absolutely nothing to do with Texas. It's mostly an East Coast Tick. 
you know, this is one syndrome I hope I never get. If I can't eat meat and those Camperidger seasonings that go on them, I will starve to death. But since there have been no reported deaths with this allergy thus far, maybe I can overlook it. Sorry, vegetarians, but meat, meat, meat. And last but not least, number five, another AP story from Australia. The last of nearly 100 whales that beached on the southwestern Australian coast were euthanized last week after a second day of frantic but unsuccessful efforts to rescue them. The pod of long, thin pilot whales stranded themselves last week on Shaney's Beach. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. It might just be Shane's. East of the former whaling station of Albany, south of the capital, Perth. Despite the efforts of 100 wildlife officers and 250 volunteers, 52 stranded whales died on the beach. The remaining 45 were euthanized after efforts to lead them into deeper waters failed. Sounds like the city of Albany should return to being an active whaling station, if you ask me. Sadly, the decision to be made to euthanize the remaining whales to avoid prolonging their suffering. It was a difficult decision for all involved. However, the welfare of the whales had to take precedence, one person stated. I don't know about you, but dead kind of puts an end to well-being, doesn't it? Which brings up another point. Why do we allow every mammal to be put out of its misery except for humans? When do the rest of us get the right to die? But that's another podcast. Peter Hartley, a manager of the Department of Biodiversity, Conservation, and Attractions, who oversaw the response, described the decision to euthanize the survivors as, quote, incredibly hard, probably one of the hardest decisions of my 34 years of wildlife management. Really, really difficult, unquote. Oh, grow up. It's a bunch of animals, not a bunch of children. Uh, I wonder if this guy supports abortion. Wouldn't that be some ass-backwards thinking? <laughs> Wildlife experts speculated a beaching could be an indicator of stress or illness within the pod, but said the reasons would likely remain a mystery. Ooh. Pilot whales are highly social animals and maintain complex familial... Familial? Yeah let's just say family, relationships with their pods from birth. Drone footage released by the state government showed the whales clustering and forming into a heart shape before stranding themselves on the beach. Somehow I got a feeling it wasn't heart shape, but it makes for a good story. You know, this is what pilot whales do people it's nature it's not stress it's not illness need more proof here is some in an incident last september some 200 pilot whales died after a pod stranded itself on the remote west coast of tasmania the following month nearly 500 pilot whales died after stranding themselves on two remote beaches in new zealand also last month, 55 pilot whales stranded themselves on the coast of Scotland. They have done so in Iceland and numerous other places. It's what they do. And with that, the ride is over. It's time to head back into camp. 
You know the mantra, question authority and always be free. Thank you for listening to the Dakota Rustler Show, a production of DL Root, Buzzsprout.com, and their affiliates. Any unauthorized use of this show is prohibited. Until next time, have a great day and don't forget to subscribe.